attention for a few minutes. And perhaps you may think that I'm addressing the search committee, but in all reality I'm not, because you will solicit in some personal interest that you might think a pastor might have, and you submitted those to the chairman of the search committee, so I'm talking to you as well. So what is the search committee looking for? They are searching through resumes that give them insight about the talent of a man. A resume does not give you insight of the character of a man, only talent of a man. In our Sunday school class, we are studying the life of Joseph. And as you are aware, Joseph did not preach a sermon or lead a prayer meeting in Egypt. But yet, Pharaoh could say, can we find such a one as Joseph, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Now, Pharaoh, as you know, was a heathen. And Pharaoh was able to detect in Joseph particular character. Pharaoh was able to see God in Joseph's character. Pharaoh was able to see God in Joseph's message. Pharaoh was able to see God in the knowledge of Joseph, as well as wisdom and humility of Joseph. So what is the search committee searching for? They are searching for a man like Joseph, a man in which is the spirit of God. So with that said, would you please stand with me as we honor the word of God. And I'm going to read for you 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and I will be reading the ESV version. And I'm going to read just the first 10 verses in that chapter. Hear the word of God as recorded in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Therefore, when we could not bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and hurt you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourself know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I couldn't bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter has tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? as we pray most fervently night and day that we may see you face to face 
and supply what is lacking in your faith. May the Lord bless the readers and the hearer of his holy word. You may be seated. And the focus of uh, those ten verses is verse 8. And I repeat it. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. And that's what I want to encourage you this morning as a body here at Haven. In spite of what we are dealing with, I encourage you to stand fast in the Lord. Now, 1 Thessalonians, is a, is a, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 provides us insight into a pastor's heart. Of what the heart of a pastor should look like. This chapter does not exhaust what the search committee should be looking for in a man. But it's a start. And I'm pretty sure they're aware of 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. But I'm going to look at a little variation here to give us some deeper insight into a man's heart. And anyone that desires to shepherd the people of God, Paul is a good human model to follow. Now let me put chapter 3 in perspective. Chapter 1 and chapter 2, Paul has been focusing on the quality and the character of his ministry. Chapter 1 and chapter 2 tell us what a pastor does, what a pastor says, and what a pastor is. Chapter 3 will give us an X-rated view into the heart of a pastor, and that's what I want to look at. You may have heard it said, if you want to really know someone, you have to know what they feel. And that's what I want you to see this morning is how Paul feels about the people that he is overseeing. Now, Paul has been mischaracterized, I would like to say that, in regards to the Judaizer. They have said some incriminating things about Paul. And Paul wants the flock at Thessalonian to know that he is not a fake, that he is not self-seeking, he is not a false teacher, he is not trying to line his pockets, he is a true pastor. And he could not abandon them. So let's look at verse 1. Verse 1, we will see the first characteristic of the pastor heart. And that is affection for his people. Affection for his people. In chapter 3, verse 1, listen. Therefore, when we could not endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy. Now that therefore is a connecting thought. In order to get that connecting thought, we need to back up into chapter 2. And we look at those last verses in chapter 2. Paul said to them in verse 17 in chapter 2, I am bereft, I am bereaved of you. I am eager with great desire to see you. Verse 18, we want to come to you. Verse 19, you are our hope and joy and crown of exaltation. 
You are our glory and joy. All of this indicate Paul's affection for the flock at Thessalonica. Paul was eager with great desire to be with them. He felt the pain of separation from them. And I say once again, a true pastor is one who has affection for his people. Also in verse 1, you will see another characteristic of a pastor heart, and that is unselfishness towards his people. Unselfishness towards his people. Listen to this. For whom you love, you sacrifice. Look back at verse 1. Therefore, when we could not endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind. To be left behind. At Athens, alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother, and God, fellow worker, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now we know that Timothy was Paul's truest friend. Timothy was Paul's dearest friend. Timothy was Paul's spiritual clone. If there's anyone that Paul could depend upon, it was Timothy. But yet, he is sending Timothy to be left alone there in Athens, and he is being left alone in a pagan society because of his love and affection for his people. And this is being unselfishness in what he's doing. <coughs> See, talk is cheap, but Paul is showing us where talk he must put some feet on his affection. And he is putting feet on his affection by sending Timothy and being left there in Athens. And you can always tell whether somebody cares about you by what they sacrifice to meet your need. And this is what Paul is doing. Sacrificing his best friend, who he truly depend upon, to go and see about this young church there in Thessalonica. Think about this. Jesus Christ left all of heaven to come to save us. Paul is sending his best friend to be left behind. Let's look at verse 2 here. The third characteristic. I just gave you two. A pastor horde affection. Unselfishness. And the third characteristic of the pastor horde that we see in these verses. A heart of compassion. A heart of compassion. Verse 2 tells us the reason why he sent Timothy. Listen to this. To strengthen and encourage them in their faith. And why did he do that? He did that for the simple reason that he did not want them to be disturbed by these afflictions. Now we at Haven may not be attacked as they were there in Thessalonica, but we do need to be strengthened and encouraged in spite of our circumstances. So that's why I want to focus on verse 8 and encourage you to stand fast in the faith. 
Stand fast in the faith. Because I can pose the question to you. Who are you a follower of? Man or Jesus Christ? I pray that you say you're the follower of Jesus Christ. Because men come and go. God put them in place and moved them out. So we are a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul wants these new believers here in Thessalonians to come to know and to believe. And this is why he is sending Timothy back there to find out how they're standing in the faith. And we're going to see the good news that he gets in regards to that. And so the word strengthen means to, to, to support or to establish. To be firm, to be solid, and be unwavering. And if you are solid and establishing your faith, then you can be encouraged to apply your faith. And this is what he is sending Timothy to do. Because Timothy is a mature Christian. And he can do that. He can strengthen them in their faith. He can encourage them in their faith. So let's look at a fourth characteristic of the pastor heart. And the fourth characteristic of a pastor heart is protectiveness. And we can see that in verse 5. Look at verse 5 with me. Again, you will note the repetition of a pastor affection in verse 5 as well. But also we're going to see protectedness. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor should be in vain. See, Paul wants to protect them from the tempter. So he is sending Timothy there to do that. And this is the real care of a pastor to protect the flock and to feed the flock. If you look up what a pastor does back in chapter 1 and 2, he must protect the flock. But also he must feed the flock. And Paul has done that. And he wants to make sure that his labor is not in vain. So he wants a report from the church there. Because what does Satan want to do when the seed is sown? He wants to destroy it with the heat of persecution. He wants to choke it out with the enticing lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what he wants to do to these young believers. So Paul was concerned. He was very, very protected. And Paul, he wanted to just go back there and get his arms around those believers there in Thessalonians. But due to circumstances, he could not do that. So he had to dispatch someone else to do that. In fact, about if you back and read, you would also see that he sent Silas to Ephesus. 
So now he is left alone in regards to what he is saying in these very words here. I'm left alone behind. And if you look up the Greek, it would indicate to die. He loved his, his flock so much that he was willing to die, but yet send someone else out there to see about them. That's deep affection for the peoples of God. Think about this here. Jesus opened John 17. You remember the prayer that he prayed? He said, Father, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but keep them from the wicked one. Protected prayer. Jesus prayed for his disciples. Very thing Paul is doing right here. Look at verse 6 here. You're going to see another characteristic here. Now, now, you know, in the Sunday school class, I know sometimes these guys wonder where I get this, get this insight from. But, but I know Paul. I know him based upon his writing. I have read so much about him until things that may not be said about him, I still can see those things in him. So I'm being very, very insightful to pull out this kind of information over here in Thessalonians on Paul. So here's another characteristic here. The fifth characteristic of the pastor Hardy is delight in his people. Delight in his people. Look at verse 6 with me. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and what did he say? And has brought us good news. I like that. Brought us good news. We know what the good news is. The good news is nothing but the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Timothy didn't come back and say, uh, Paul, here's a good report. Timothy didn't come back and say, uh, so-and-so, so-and-so. Timothy came back and brought Paul the good news. And that was the best news that Paul could hear. Wow. Look at verse 6. A little closer. And I'm going to show you what that good news is. Let's look at verse 6. And we see what the good news really is. There are four things in that good news. The first thing in that good news, your faith was real. Timothy come back and tell Paul, hey, Paul, their faith is real. Another thing in that good news, he reported back, their love is real. Wow. Another thing that he reported in that good news is their personal memories of Paul being there in Thessalonians. They had not forgotten about Paul. And another thing in that good news if they wanted to see Paul just like Paul wanted to see them. Oh, that was some good news. It brought joy to Paul's heart. 
to know that those young Christians were standing firm in their faith in spite of the affliction taking place there among them. Man. Mm. Oh boy, I tell you. And you may say, was that important to Paul? Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7 here. He says, for this reason, brethren, and this good news, in all our distress and affliction, we was comforted. He was bereaved earlier. Now he received this good news, and he is comforted to know that everything is well there in Thessalonians, and his work is not in vain. Hallelujah. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship is to our God. And this is what Paul is receiving here. So the genuineness of their faith, the fact that he had received evidence that it was real saving faith, was the most basic cause of his delight. So the pastor's delight is not in the size of the building. The pastor's delight, delight is not in his salary. The pastor's delight is not in his credentials. The pastor's delight is not in a parking lot payment. A pastor's delight is in his people. That's what the pastor's delight should be in. Oh, he should be able to just brag about and talk about his peoples. So their faith is real, and they are growing in the grace of God. They are deeply in love with Jesus Christ. They love one another, and they love the lost. And let me say this, church. In spite of what we are experiencing here, I can say the same thing about you. The same thing. Your faith is real. Your love is real. So stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. God has an answer. He has an answer. I know he has an answer. And just wait on the Lord. And we shall also, just as Paul received the good news, we also will receive some good news. Okay? So let's look at verse 9 here. Here's these six characteristics of a pastor Hope. <coughs> Gratitude. Gratitude for his people. Verse 9, for what thanks can we render to God for you in return for the joy which we rejoice before our God on your account. Now Paul is focused on God because Paul knows it was God that made this happen. But yet he continued to express his joy and delight for the spiritual progress of the Thessalonians knowing that they are walking in the faith and growing in the faith. 
So he thanked God and he praised God. Okay? And look at verse 10. Verse 10. Seven characteristics of the pastor heart is intercession. Intercession for his people. This is very, very simple. Look at this here. As we night and day keep praying most fervently that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. It only can be done by prayer. It only can be done by prayer. There's still work to be done in them and through them. And in them is building their character. That's all it is. Building the character of Jesus Christ in them. And through them the very thing that Jack was talking about earlier. Stepping up to the plate, service. Those are the two things. And we're going to step up to the plate here because this is about God. This is not about man. You've got to believe that this is about God. This is not about man. I'm no preacher, but when God get a hold to me, I'll preach. You might see me singing next Sunday if you get a hold to me. I'm not being facetious. I'm going to do what I have to do because I love God so much. So notice, you know, I, I think about the other day I received an email from David that he was praying for me. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know what he prayed, but it still worked. And that's the best thing you can hear from someone, hey, I'm praying for you. And that was just a blessing to me to know that someone was praying for me. So Paul wants these Thessalonians to know that, hey, I'm praying for you guys. And guess what? Listen to this right here. Paul knew that nothing was too hard for the Lord and that prayer could do anything that God could do. I like, I like that. I like that. My wife, my wife read it to me one night I was asleep. But one thing about the Lord, he can minister to you even when you was asleep. But listen to this. Paul knew that nothing was too hard for the Lord and that prayer could do anything that God could do. Wow, that's powerful. God is more willing to hear us pray, but for some particular reason, we are not willing to pray. But prayer could do anything that God can do. Because who are we asking? (laughs) 
We said, Lord, I have no hands, I have no power. I'm seeking your hand and your power. Do this for me, Lord. Wow. And guess what? God hears our prayer. God answers our prayer. So let's start doing some serious praying because guess what? Guess what? That search committee needed. They need it. Because guess what? We just realized resumes doesn't tell you anything but the talent of a person. And you done saw over and over in the Bible, God has given people talent and what they have done with it. Some have utilized it and increased it. Some just went and buried it. But I don't want to know what your talents are. I want to know what your character is. And this is what that search committee need to know. So they need some kind of wisdom and insight into the character of this person in order to be able to determine that this is the man of God for this church to lead this flock. So pray for for them. Pray for wisdom. And we know that wisdom is a skill that only comes from God. And that skill is to help us to judge and to discern the facts of knowledge. Whether it's right, whether it's true, whether it's long-lasting. And how does it apply to us? That's what they need. That's what wisdom is. So in closing, I just remind you to pray for that search committee. They, They need prayer. And pray for the fellowship of the saints here at this church as well. We need to be held together. All right? And pray that the future pastor that come has an attitude to complete what is lacking here. And that is to further grow and develop and mature us. <coughs> that's all that is. And that's going to happen until the Lord calls us home. So our faith needs to be strengthened and we need to be encouraged. So pray for those things. So let us bow in prayer. Father, that was so much in the Thessalonian life that still needed work. There was something that needed to be complete. Uh, they were lacking, Lord. There was much yet to be done, and so this great shepherd, this wonderful man of God, whose heart was filled with affection, filled with unselfishness and compassion, and he delighted in his people, and he had so much gratitude towards them, and was committed to pray for them. Because, Lord, he knew that on this side of heaven there would be no perfection. And he had to be faithful to pray for the continual progress for those people. So right now, Father, may the man you have for haven be like the human under-shepherd we looked at this morning. And, Lord, raise up shepherds like Paul 
who have a heart like our chief, chief shepherd to lead your flock and bring down, Lord, shepherds who are not like this. That your sheep, Lord, may not be abused, that they might not be wounded or grieved and led astray and lose their usefulness. And Lord, we have asked these things in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name. And all the church say, Amen. Amen.